chapter number 2, verse number 28, uh, and we'll do our very best to see if we can wrap up this survey of the book of Joel. Uh, prayerfully, you still have your outlines with you. And we know that uh, uh, the theme for this book is blessing from God follows obedience to him. Will you repeat that with me? Say blessing from God follows obedience to him. One more time. Blessing from God follows obedience to him. And so Joel, who's the writer of this text, the son of Pethiel, his name means the Lord is God. And he writes this letter to, to warn Judah of God's impending judgment because of its sins. And he also writes to urge the people to turn back to God, to turn back to God. And we read the first part of this letter. Uh, we, we knew that a local swarm that came in uh, and destroyed the crop and brought famine to the land. But that, that local swarm was simply, it, it, was, it was devastating as it was, but it was actually a sign of what was to come. It was, it was a sign that God's judgment was coming and God was going to send the army uh, of an enemy nation to come in and to deal with his own people. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that I've, I've learned to appreciate or to, to, to understand about the love of God is he loves us so much that uh, he'll, he'll go to great measures and to great lengths to get us back into his presence. He loves us so much that if he has to allow or even has to send some pain into our life to get us to look back toward him, to run back to him, he will use that. He will do that. That's not his preferred method. How many of you know that's true? Just like you as a parent, it is not your preferred method as a good parent to have to whip your child, is it? But you will if you have to. A good parent will. I don't know about, you know, you know, you know maybe Sadiddy, uh, modern day millennial type parents think that, that discipline is not for their child. They just put them in the room and say time out. So you put them in the room now say time out, they go to play video games, they all right with time out. But, but the true God, God, God loves us so much that he'll go to great measures to get us back into his presence. So we see this happening here in the book of Joel. So as we, we've talked about before, let's get to this, this, uh, this part here, which I think is one of the key verses in this, in this book here. It says here, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is God saying it. God saying this, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see vision. Next verse says this, uh, in those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Verse number 30 says this, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. So again, uh, we see here as we get into this book, we, in our outline, we share with you some key application concepts in the book of Joel. Uh, as we've gone through this book and looked at the tenets of what's happening and what's transpiring, we said there's some key applications that we can begin to look at and observe and understand so it can help us to live a fruitful life. Can I get a witness? The first thing we said was that when bad things happen, and they do happen in our lives, right? That's a good time to examine your life and purge out any known sin. Everybody say known sin. Stuff you know ain't right. Stuff that you know you've been struggling with, it's time to purge it out. So not that the bad stuff happens because you've been in sin, but when stuff does happen, take it as an opportunity to examine yourself and look at your own life. And each one of us look at our own life to say, is there something that I'm doing that I know is not right? And God help me to purge that out. Amen. So the second thing we said was that we need to 
grab hold of and understand that the second, this second concept is that future judgment ought to motivate present repentance for everyone. If we know that future judgment is going to come, it ought to motivate us to repent of the sin that we may find ourselves in. And that's what Joel's message was, was if you just, if you, if you'll turn, if you'll repent, God's judgment won't come. Amen. If, if, if we know, amen, what we're doing is wrong. If we, the first Corinthians says, if we'll judge it, then God won't have to judge it. But let me tell you, if you don't judge it, if you don't touch it, God's going to touch it. Amen. That's in all of our lives. So we see future judgment ought to motivate us uh, to, to present repentance. It ought to motivate us to repent right now when we know that we're going to be judged in the future. And again, we looked at uh, in, in the previous lesson, we looked at the beam of judgment seat of Christ. We started over in Corinthians how it is that all of us as born again believers are going to be judged on what we've done in our walk with the Lord. Our salvation, if we're truly saved, that's been settled. But how we lived and the works that we did and how we did it and what manner that we did it, that stuff is going to be judged. And when we go to the beam of judgment seat of Christ, if the work lasts, if the work can stand the test of fire, then we'll have some rewards when we get to heaven. And nobody wants to go to heaven empty-handed. I'm going to be in heaven empty-handed. I know we say all the time, if I can just make it in, but you don't want to be up in heaven with nothing. I mean, and the Bible is real clear about it that, that, that uh, you know, the work will be burnt up, but, you, but, you, but you'll be saved, but you won't have any, anything to, to commemorate what you did down here on earth. So what we do down here on earth is important. Everybody say it's important. So we saw that the judgment seat of Christ is where, where believers would go. The third concept that we talked about was we said immediate repentance from sin can stop God's judgment. And that's what Joel was indicating. He was indicating to the people in this book that it's not too late for, 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 for God's people to avert disaster in their life if they, if they would only repent. And that's what he says in the 13th verse of the second chapter. So uh, the fourth concept that we talked about and fourth application that we pulled from this book is that despite any disciplinary measures God engages in with his people, he nevertheless has a blessed future awaiting them. He has a blessed future awaiting them. And so we, we begin to, to, to look at, we said that God promises people that their time of suffering will be followed by material and spiritual blessing. God will not forget his people. He will bring restoration in the end, okay? So God is going to, one thing that we got to realize is that the children of Israel, the chosen nation, nation their, their time of being the conduit for reaching the world ended with Christ, okay? In other words, uh, you know, Christ came down through 42 generations through the nation of Israel, okay? Now, uh, but now God uh, on the prophetic time clock has set Israel aside. And now God is working through the church, through the church age. You have the nation of Israel, but you have the church. We are the part of the church. We are the body of Christ. And God is now working in the earth realm through the church. Everybody say through the church. And so each one of us are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is seeking to work through us. But just because he set them aside does not mean that he's forgotten about Israel. 
he's still going to deal with Israel. He's still going to deal with Israel's enemies. That's why I, I don't care how, how defiled and how crooked and, and wicked the United States may get, but the U.S. better keep on supporting Israel because those who are friends of Israel are friends of God. All right? It's all throughout the Scripture. You see it all throughout the Scripture where God says, if you, are, if you take care of my people, I'll take care of you. I'll be on your side. So we left off, and we talked about this on last. We said there, there, the fifth thing we said is there will be a future outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the faithful in Judah. And we see this in Joel 2 and 28. Now, again, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and this is what we left off on last week, I mean two weeks ago. The first thing we said was is that the Holy Spirit has many wonderful ministries to Christian believers, and we begin to examine those. And we said, the first thing we said is he gives us spiritual gifts. You've, you guys have heard me say this uh, repeatedly on, and on several occasions that every one of us in here have spiritual giftings that God graces us with. Every one of us in here have spiritual gifts that God endows us with. And when we understand what those giftings are and we begin to understand how he has graced us and we begin to move in that area and work in that area, those are the areas where we will best serve when we connect with our gifting and begin to operate in it. Are y'all listening to me today? So, uh, so the, we say that uh, he gives us spiritual gifts. Now, we, we left off in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Can y'all go over that with me right quick? And I just want to share this with you again. We, we discovered that there are, uh, men, there are spiritual giftings that God gives us, uh, those Holy Spirit gifts we looked at over in the 12th chapter. Uh, those particular type gifts were, uh, you know, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and all the different type of heal, the gift of healings. All of those gifts, we call them Holy Spirit gifts. Why? Because those gifts operate as the Spirit wills. As a matter of fact, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians, the, tw uh, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the tw 12th chapter. Uh, uh, and start at verse number 8. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse number 8. Glory to God. The text says this, to one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Now stop right there. The gift of healing is, is different than praying for somebody to be healed. Okay? The gift of healings is different than when we pray for somebody to be healed. Remember what James says? Uh, James says, if there is any sick among you, let them do what? Call for the elders of the church and let them do what? Anoint them with oil and let them pray over them. And it says the prayer of what? Faith will do what? Heal them or raise them up off their sick beds, what KJV says, right? So, so the prayer of faith is different than the gift of healing. When the prayer of faith takes place, when you come up here to the altar and we lay hands on you and, and, and we anoint you with all, we're praying in faith and believing God for your healing, right? Y'all with me? So according to what James tells us. Now, at that point in time, 
we're, we're praying with you and standing in faith for your healing. That healing, uh, when we, we're believing God that you heal at that point in time, but the manifestation of that healing may not come at that moment. It may be two months from now. It may be even a year from now, two years from now. But now when the gift of healing in this 12th chapter is in operation, it operates as the spirit wills. And when the gift of healings is in operation, we can't turn it on and turn it off. Because if I could turn it on and turn it off, I'd go to the hospital and put them out of business. Are you following me? Because when the gift of healing is operating as the spirit wills, people get healed instantaneously. Blinded eyes are open. Death ears are unstopped. Cancer is dried up immediately when the gift of healing is in operation. Well, but pastor, well, well you know, uh, I went to a meeting one time and a man laid hand and got healed. And, and now he's, he goes around the country saying, come to his meeting, he's going to heal you. Well, he don't know when the gift of healing is going to operate. The problem that some people have is when God uses them with the gift of healings and he, he flows it through them, they start to think that they're the ones who did it. And they try to conjure it up every time they pray for somebody. Listen, guys, the gift of healing operates as the spirit wills. Supernatural or great faith operates as the spirit wills. All of us should operate in faith. All of us should walk by faith. All of us should stand in faith. But when the great, when the, when the gift of faith is, is in operation, that means something supernatural beyond your ability, beyond your strength takes place, and you're able to believe God for it because supernatural great faith is operating as the spirit wills. Y'all with me? Y'all see the difference? Prayer of faith, gift of healings, right? Standing in faith and the gift of faith. Great faith that operates in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit allows some things miraculous to take place. We got to be careful that when these things are in operation, when the Spirit, Holy Spirit gets them in operation, we don't try to take credit for what it's doing and we don't try to make it be what it ain't being. I know it's not grammatically correct. But don't try, to, don't try to make the Holy Spirit do it when you say it's time to do it, Holy Spirit. It operates as the Spirit will. Keep reading here, guys. Verse number 10 says what? He gives one person the power to perform what? Miracles. And another the ability to do what? To prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. This is the gift of tongues right there. It is the one and only spirit, watch this now, who distributes all these gifts, these Holy Spirit gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So I can't call it down myself. When Holy Spirit gifts are operating, they operate, Cassandra, as the Spirit wills. So in other words, when I'm praying for somebody, I can pray in faith for you, but I don't know when I'm praying in faith for you if the Holy Spirit gift of healing is going to come at that time. I can trust that it will. I got to be open for him to use me. That's why it's important for us to understand these gifts because if you don't understand these gifts, you're not going to be open uh, and have the faith to believe that God can use you to channel this gifting through. 
And so if I don't have the faith to believe that he can use me to challenge this gifting through, then I, I, I won't be a vessel that he can use to challenge the gifting through. Is everybody with me today? Okay. So the KDV says uh, in that uh, 11th verse, it says this, but all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So it's as he will, as he decides to utilize someone, okay? So he gives us spiritual gifts. Now go to the 14th chapter, which is where we left. Again, we talked about this, uh, tongues, because again, uh, for, for some reason, tongues has been a lightning rod. Uh, maybe not so much now, but 15, 20 years ago when, quote, Baptist people or denominational people began to understand that the Holy Spirit uh, giftings did not go away uh, with the canonization of scriptures. There are some who teach that there are some gifts, particularly some of these uh, vocal gifts like tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, all that went away when the scripture came. But the Bible says that when that which is perfect to come, that that which is in part will be done away with. Well, again, we don't understand imperfection right now, do we? We, we don't know everything, so, so our knowledge is not complete. And so the gifts were given to strengthen the church. So my question is, if the gift was given to strengthen the church and we are still the church, we are still here, why would we say that the gifts were taken away? Don't the church still need it? I don't know about you, but I need some help. I need some help to walk this Christian walk. I need some help to be able to do the will of the Father. And I know that there are, we're still dealing with demonic spirits. We're still dealing with the devil and all of what he has to do, what he's trying to do. So we need these gifts. So God would be, I think, an unjust God to take them away from us and say, y'all can't use those. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. So watch this. In First Corinthians 14, chapter, verse number one. Let's watch this right quick. We're going to go on down. He gives us spiritual gifts. Now, again, uh, the gift of tongues or, or, or the gift of tongues, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is different than the tongues that we see on day of Pentecost. When I say different from the standpoint that there's a prayer language for tongues when you pray in an unknown tongue. And then there is the Holy Spirit gift of tongues where somebody stands up in the assembly and God, again, the Holy Spirit gifts operate how? Huh? They operate how? Well, y'all listening to me. Y'all look at me like, as the Spirit wills. In other words, we don't control that one. Now, prayer language tongues, we can pray in tongues and, and, and pray in tongues. If, if we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and that being evidenced by speaking in the tongues, we can pray in tongues, amen, when we get ready to pray in tongues. But the gift of tongues, when there is a supernatural message from God down through a man out to the people, that has to come as the Holy Spirit wills. When I pray, when I'm praying in my prayer language in tongues, then it's not a message from God down through me out to the people. It's me praying in a supernatural language I don't understand, and I'm interceding praying to God. The order is reversed. Are y'all following me? Prayer language tongues, the order is what? Man praying to God in the city. Praying in a language that he does not in his natural mind understand. It's going up. Holy Spirit tongues, gift of tongues is what? It's coming down from God to, to out to the people. Well, when that happens, particularly in a, a public similar, we're going to see in 14, the 14th chapter that, when that happens as the Holy Spirit gives it, 
there has to be interpretation in the assembly because the 14th chapter lets us know that anything that happens in the corporate assembly has to happen to edify and to build up what? Everybody. It can't be just for you. It's got to be for everybody in the assembly. That's why you can't get up and sing your song and you sing yourself happy and nobody else happy. <laughs> Hello? You still have about the Holy Ghost got hold to me. But it wasn't, it wasn't for everybody. It was just you. You saw yourself happy. Everybody's looking at you. Like, that don't sound good. Are y'all following me? So, so watch this. Let, let your love be, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special ability the Spirit gives. Is it hot in here? Okay. Uh, uh, especially the ability to prophesy. Number two says what? For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Let's go, go to the KJV with me right quick on this uh, verse number two. Let's watch this. I got to move. Uh, it says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto whom? For no man what? Understand him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh what? Mysteries. All right, verse number three says this, watch. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to what? To edification, which means what? To build up and exhortation and what? And comfort. So when I'm prophesying, that means I'm speaking to men. I'm speaking a message from God out to men, and it's got to be something they can understand. When he prophesied, they can understand it, right? They're preaching the gospel. Verse number four says what? He that speaking in an unknown tongue does what? He builds himself up. So there's value in praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, and praying in tongues means that, that the order is what? I'm praying divine secrets up to God. I'm, I'm praying, but you don't understand because I'm not even praying to you, right? He that speaking in an unknown tongue edified himself, but he that prophesied edifies what? The church. He builds the church up. So four, what's the theme in this 14th chapter? Y'all heard me preach this before. What's the theme? The principle of edification. 14th chapter is talking about whatever we do in the church ought to be done to build everybody up, not just you. Okay? You know, sometimes people get edified. And I'm, I'm saying this in, in a loving, uh, uh, sort of joking, facetious way. But let's say, for instance, you know, your, let's, let's say your baby was on to do whatever, saying whatever. And you get, you get, you get, and maybe your baby just, they're they doing their best they can. You say, bless their heart. But that's your baby. You get, you, you get so happy, you start crying and tears. That's my baby. But, but your baby really is not gifted to do what they're doing. But you're getting blessed by it. I, I'm, I'm, can y'all follow me? Now, I love all our little babies. But maybe sometimes our babies aren't gifted to do what, what they're doing. But you as a parent are getting there. You, you, you just, your heart is blowing over, right? And you just, oh, isn't that so sweet? That's my baby. Look at her. <laughs> but they're not gifted in what they're doing. And nobody else is getting blessed but you. That's kind of that's what I'm saying. He said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue does what? Edifies himself. 
but he that prophesies does what? Builds the whole church up. So if I'm praying in my prayer language, not the gift of tongues, but my prayer language, then I'm building myself up, but the whole church ain't getting edified. That's why when we're in a public seminar, we're going to see what he says. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. I would that you all, look, Paul says, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you do what? Now watch this now. He says, I, I, I don't have a problem with you speaking in tongues. I wish I all would, but I'd rather you prophesy. Now remember, he's dealing with the public assembly, and what happens in the public assembly should be done to do what? Edify everybody in the assembly. For greater is he that prophesied. Why is he greater? He's talking to the whole church. He's trying to build the whole church up. He says, for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interprets. So if I'm in the assembly and I'm praying in tongues and there ain't no interpretation, that's less than, that's less than somebody who's prophesying. Why? Because that person who's prophesying is doing do what? Build the whole church up. So if I'm praying in my tongue, and I'm getting blessed because he said earlier, when you pray in your tongue, you build yourself up, right? Nothing wrong with building yourself up, but we're in the assembly, we're trying to build everybody up, not just you. You got me? All right, so that's why you can't sit up and go off for five, ten minutes praying in tongues, and ain't no interpretation in the assembly. Have y'all ever been to a church where everybody just breaks out? I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to sh share with you where there the, are the, the limited circumstances for that. And, and when everybody has knowledge of it and we don't have people who are unlearned or unborn again in that assembly, that may be appropriate. But, but the vast majority of the cases, when we're in a regular church service, it's not appropriate for everybody to just start praying in tongues and, and, and we just build all ourselves up because the Bible says you're going to scare some people. Now, don't say it like that, but that's what it says. They're going to think you're unlearned. They're going to think you're crazy. And they ain't coming back. They're not going to come back. Because they, they, they think y'all weird. But ain't nothing wrong with tongues. But we got to learn how to do it. Y'all follow me? All right. So I would that you speak with tongues, brother, that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with tongues, except the interpret, that the church may receive edified. Trying to build a church up when we come together corporately. Next verse says what? Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I should speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? Uh, and even things without life-giving sound, whether, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? How are you going to know what's being played if the keys aren't played right? How many of y'all play piano? Anybody? Got a few here. All right. So Faye could get up there and play something. Maria could get up there and play something. Austin could get up there and play something. And you would know what it is because the notes are jiving. But if Tony got up there and played, if Laura John got up there and played, nobody would know what to sing. Right? She said, for the trumpet given an uncertain sound, who should prepare himself to, to battle? battle? You know, the trumpets were used to to, to signal if it's time to charge, bah, 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 charge. They had to play a certain thing in order for people to know what to do. Next verse says what? Uh, so likewise, in the same way, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, 
How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. Verse 10 says what? Come on, let's go. There are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Uh, therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, how shall, how shall I, I shall be unto him that speaketh the barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. You, you're like a wild man, that's what he says. Even so, ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. We want to build the whole church up. Next verse says, well, he said there's anything wrong with speaking tongues. He said earlier, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all you all. That's what he's going to say here. Wherefore, let him that speak in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret, right? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit pray it. Watch this. My spirit pray it. My spirit man prays. The, 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 the inward me, the spirit man, we're spirit, soul, and body. My spirit man pray it, but my understanding is what? Unfruitful. My mind don't know what my spirit is saying. That's what he's saying. He says, my mind don't know what my spirit is praying when I pray in an unknown tongue. All right, next, next verse says what? What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I'm going to pray in tongues and I'm going to pray in my natural English language also. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing in, the, I will sing in tongues and I will sing with the natural language also. Next verse says what? Uh, else when, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupied the room in other words, when you bless with the Spirit, you, you're doing it in tongues. How shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say amen if I give him the thanks? Seeing he don't, he don't know what you're saying. How are you going to amen something you don't know what it is? You could be able to say, I'm going to kill your whole family, your mama, your granddad, and all of y'all when I get out of here. And you saying amen. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Let's go. Uh, it says, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. Next verse says what? I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Now watch what he says here. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that my voice, I, that by my voice, I might teach, the, teach others also than 10,000 words in unknown tongues. He was not down in tongues. He was just saying that in the corporate assembly, it's better to say something they can understand than to say something that they can't understand so they can be edified. I want you to be edified. And, and sometimes when I preach, sometimes y'all may think I'm preaching in, in other tongues. You may not understand what I'm saying. I try to be clear, but sometimes when I, I go back and review a message or a Maria Tevin says, you weren't very clear on what you were saying then. So I, I, I try to get better. I try to improve so you can understand exactly what I'm saying. I try to be plain. Look at the next verse. I got to go. Uh, Brethren, be not children in understanding how bit in malice be your children, but in understanding be men. He says, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that, uh, that will they not hear me, said the Lord. Okay? Next verse, come on, let's go. It says what? Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesied, serve it not for them that believe it not, but for them which believe. Now, again, I say all this, and I can spend the whole rest of the time talking about how that works, but I think you get the gist of it. I would rather say something in, in the corporate assembly that everybody can understand so you can get edified and built up. So that, 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 that gifting should not be done away with. It's just that we got to make sure we're doing it the right way. Is everybody clear on that? All right. So, so he gives us spiritual gifts. So there are all kinds of spiritual gifts that are available. As I said, we got to discover our gifting. Operating your gifting. Well, that's one thing I've learned. Man, when it comes to preaching and how God has graced me to preach, I got to do it the way he's graced me to do it. 
and I can't be like somebody else. I am not a hooper, and I'm not going to try to be a hooper. <laughs> I, don't, I don't knock hoopers when they teach you something before they go into their colloquial way of delivering the message. Some, some, some people ain't going to listen to you because they're waiting on you to tune it up. I, you know, I, I told you, I, I know some gifted oratorical speakers who, who know how to do it, but that ain't me. And I, would, I, would, I wouldn't do you justice by trying to do that, right? So I'm, I'm going to be Doyle Adams, the best Doyle Adams I can possibly be, okay? All right, so he gives us spiritual gifts. Look, look, at, the, look at the next thing. He, he, he's our divine comforter. Let's go to John 14. He's our divine comforter. So again, spiritual gifts. What I want, I want to encourage you, when we, the next spiritual gift discovery class that comes around, uh, if you haven't been through it and, and found out your top gifts, sign up and let's find out what your top gifts are so you can get into the area where you can best serve. Sometimes you can be out of place. You, you know, as I heard one guy said, you're on the right bus, but you're on the wrong seat. Sometimes you got to shuffle the seats and put you on the right seat, okay? John 14, uh, look at verse number, start at verse one. He's our divine comforter, John, St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to God. Uh, look at verse number one. Start at verse number one. We'll, we'll go to the New Living Translation. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Charles already told us earlier that we got a mansion waiting on us, right? Number three says what? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Next verse says what? And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. I go with Thomas. Doubting Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can, how can we know the way? Look at what it says. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through what? Except through me. Uh, next verse, it says what? Uh, if you really had known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus said, I'm God in the flesh. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Next verse says what? Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show, you him, to, show him to you? Look at the next verse. It's what? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words I speak are not my own, but my Father who, give, who lives in me does his work, what? Through me. He does his work through me. Now, watch, skip down with me. If, um, skip down to verse 15 with me. Verse 15, let's go. It says, if you love me, do what? Obey my commandments. That's what he says. If you love me. 16, let's go. Uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, another what? Another advocate. The KDV says another comforter who will never leave you. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us. The Holy Spirit's job is to be there with us to help us do the work. Jesus says, I'm going back up in heaven to be seated on the right hand of the Father, but my Father is not going to leave you comfortless. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to help all of us do the work of ministry so that we won't be dismayed 
uh, with whatever betides us because God's going to take care of us. Can I get a witness? Um, look, look with me at 17 and 18. This goes, it says what? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus says, because again, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have Jesus right now here in human flesh talking with him. And he says, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be what? In you. She's, I'm going back to the Father. Me being God in the flesh is going to be seated on the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit, me, Holy Spirit will come and live in you, right? Verse 18, we, go, we got to move. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will do what? I will come to you, all right? Um, and, and, and so, so let's stop right there. But the comforter, God gives us the comforter. He, he, he's our divine comforter. Look at 15, chapter 15, verse number 26 right quick. Chapter 15, verse number 26. Are y'all still with me? All right. So we said the last thing that we're going over here is that there will be a future outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the faithful in Judah. Uh, you know, God has given us his spirit to help us to maintain and to live this Christian life, to walk in power and authority. Let's embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's study him. Let's, he, he's a part of the Godhead and, and let's embrace him filling us. I mean, when he fills us, he empowers us. To be filled with him means to be controlled by him. But I will send you the advocate, the comforter, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify what? All about me. Who's talking here? Jesus. When someone says the Holy Spirit is talking through them and all they do is talk about themselves, they ain't the Holy Spirit. What? That... It, do you know people who talk about themselves all the time, what all they do and what they've done and how they ministry doing this and how, how we do this and, and we do this and I'm this and I did this, I accomplished this, I'm the one, it can't happen unless I do it. Ain't no Holy Spirit there. Because he says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify what? Who's talking? Jesus is. So watch out for people who talk more about themselves than they do about Jesus. Watch out for ministers, songsters, uh, musicians, whoever, uh, you know, the guy on the camera, the guy who's running the sound, who always talk about themselves. If the Holy Spirit is moving and operating in you, you're going to be talking about Jesus rather than yourself. Okay, so watch out. You, you, can, tell, you can tell people because all they do is talk about themselves. All right, look at the next one. Uh, he produces spiritual fruit in us. Y'all know this, Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5 and 16. Let's go there right quick. There will be a future outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the faithful in Judah. Galatians 5, verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How many of y'all know that all of us in here have a sinful nature? Every last one of us in here have flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can get fleshy if you want to. <laughs> yes, you can. Nobody in here is beyond being fleshy. 
How you know you're fleshy? Cuss. Drink. Gossiper. Don't know how to forgive. Or won't forgive. Whole slew of stuff. Sexual immorality. Fleshy. Every one of us have the tip the potential to become a fleshy being. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What that tells me is, is that all of us have a sinful nature and our sinful nature craves stuff, even though we say. I know we don't talk about it. I know we don't want to tell anybody that we had a little fleshy moment where where, where our flesh wanted to do something that we know we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yes, you. You little born-again saint, you. <laughs> you got to deal with that flesh. He says, he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing. Notice what he said. He did not say your sinful nature won't crave stuff. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. As long as you're in this flesh, you have the potential to be fleshy. Look, look, look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. Uh, the, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. 18. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Look at 19. Let's go. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, watch this. Here's how you know that you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. If you follow your sinful nature, sexual immorality. Are you having sex outside of marriage and you ain't married? I guess it will be outside of marriage. Or if you're married and you're having sex with somebody not your spouse, sexual immorality. Impurity, this is all the stuff that's in our flesh. Now, I know you're saved, and I know you're born again, you die, you're going to heaven, but this is in your flesh. Okay? And the Bible says it's better to marry than burn. It wasn't talking about burning hell, it was talking about burning lust. Now, don't just get married to have sex, because when you get married just to have sex, when you ain't having sex, you ain't going to be happy. Can I talk to you? Because I got news for you. You're, I know you may be burning right now, and you think you keep your hands off. But you know, you know, when you get married, you, you, there comes a point in time in your marriage where you ain't gonna want to have sex every day, and you need something else to sustain you. Okay, just gotta tell it like that. Okay. Are we still friends? All right? All right. So, you know, you need to have something more than just a physical attraction to somebody. Because when after two or three babies, that, that body shape changed. And it's a... <laughs> it does, right? On both sides. Okay? All right, so, so we, we got to... <laughs> We don't all keep it together. Sometimes we let ourselves go a little bit. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. This is in our flesh. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish. Do y'all know what this is about? Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. I want to know how many of y'all been going to wild parties. Huh? You know, there's some, there's some stuff going on. I've been, I've, been, I've been hearing some stuff. People come and talk to me and tell me stuff. And I don't, there's, there's, there's this thing going around now, the threesomes. Oh, don't y'all, don't, don't y'all act like you ain't never heard that before. That, that's, that's becoming more popular now. What's your source? Don't worry about my source. I ain't telling you my source. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anybody that's living that same lifestyle, you're probably not saved. As a matter of fact, he says that will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, go to the next verse. Come on, let's go. We've got to move. Uh, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The flesh, when you find the flesh, that other stuff comes up. Everybody has the potential to do that. So don't think you're better than anybody else in here. Are y'all listening to me? Don't, don't you think that you're better than anybody else in here unless you get caught up and trapped in the same thing you were. Now, we deal, we, we deal with stuff. We, we, we judge it as being right or wrong. We ain't judging you. We judging what you did. Is it right or wrong? Let's, declare, let's call it, call a spade a spade and an ace an ace and a joker a joker. <laughs> we got to call it. All right, so, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Next verse, gentleness and self-control. There's no law against these things. Next verse is what? Uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. So, he produces spiritual fruit in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Spiritual fruit. If you don't see that in your life, maybe you haven't been, you, you hadn't not been filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? He convicts people of sin. Go to John 16. Come on, I got to move. John 16, verse number seven. Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Man, listen, if you can sin and, and, and don't have no remorse, if you can sin and don't feel guilty, I don't know. I mean, if you can sin and, and, and it doesn't bother you, we need to, we need to talk because you, you're probably not saved. Now, I understand that sometimes saved people can get into a reprobate state where they, their conscience become dull, but I'm talking about somebody who's consistently over a period of time keep doing the same stuff and it don't bother them. You better check yourself. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus said, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8, come on, let's go. It says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Nine, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in him. Come on. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Watch this. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. 
There is, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. That's what he told him, right? Look at verse 13. Watch this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. Here it is again. But will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. Verse 14. He will bring me glory. Watch this. Holy Spirit is going to bring who glory? Who's talking? Jesus. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from who? From me. So anybody that's talking about and trying to get themselves glory, watch out. The Holy Spirit is not operating. Holy Spirit is going to bring glory to who? Jesus. All right. So he convicts people of sin. Final two points. He inspired scripture to be written. Go to 2 Timothy 3, 16. Y'all know this when we, we read it all the time. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All right. So I want y'all to start thinking about some stuff because, you know, God pours out his spirit. He gives his spirit to us. So we got we to gotta make sure that we're walking and operating in the spirit. And if, if we're being fleshy, we know what fleshy looks like. You don't have to guess. I get, we just read it in Galatians. We know what fleshy looks like. And you know when you're being fleshy. Just go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and say, okay, am I doing this? I'm fleshy. We want, God wants you to be spirit-minded, okay? Watch what it says. Can we read it out loud and on purpose? All scripture... And inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what does scripture do? Teach us what is true and make us realize. Sometimes we don't realize that we ain't right. So I, I, I got to get some word to tell me and to show me that I'm not right. Have you ever been doing something you thought you were okay with and that God was okay with it until you find out in the scripture that was not okay? It, it, it teaches us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's what it does. 2 Peter 1, 21. Come on. 2 Peter 1, 21. 2 Peter 1, verse number 21. Start, start, go back to verse 20. Let's go. Verse 20 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. 21, or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. In other words, he inspired scripture to be written. The Holy Spirit did. They wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Last but not least, he is an agent of regeneration. He is an agent of regeneration. Let's go to Titus while we're here. Titus 3 and 5. Titus 3 and 5, then we go to John 3, 1 through 5. Titus 3 and 5. Watch this. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, I thank God for his mercy because I'm not worthy of anything. Are y'all with me? Uh, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through what? The Holy Spirit. Go to John 3, 1 through 5. Go to John 3, 1 through 5. All right, are y'all still tracking with me? So, so Joel, as he wrote this book, was trying to get his people, the people of God, to, to, to turn, to, 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 to reverse their order, to get out of their complacency, to get out of their idolatry and turn back to God, to judge the stuff that was going on so that God wouldn't have to send judgment. Child of God, let me tell you something. 
in your own life, uh, it's better for you to judge it than to have God to have to judge it. Either way, it's, either way it's going to get judged. In other words, God's going to declare right or wrong. And if we continue in that wrongness, he will allow things to come in our life to shake us up so that we can realize that we really are wrong. We've gotten away from him. And when it comes, it, 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 it almost forces us to come back to him. He's he not going to force us. He, he wants to drive us back to him. Okay? So sometimes, you know, your kids are go AWOL. Help you realize that, that, that that's something that you hadn't been doing. You know, sometimes situations in your job will happen. Help you start looking at it and evaluating yourselves. Uh, we, we begin to evaluate ourselves, okay? Now watch this last one. Y'all notice there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Verse 2, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. Look at this. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Watch this, watch this ridiculous question he had. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? His, his knowledge of spiritual birth was, was not very good, right? Because he, he was thinking in his mind, how am I, how am I going to get back inside my mama's womb? He a grown man. Mama said, no way, buddy. I had enough trouble getting you out when you were seven pounds, and now you're 300 pounds. Ain't no way you're coming back here. All right? That's what, that's what mama would have said, okay? All right. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. OK, we got to be born of the water and the spirit. No, it wasn't physical baptism by itself doesn't do it. We got to have spiritual birth. OK, so again, as we close out the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Prophetically, Joel was talking about, you know, the, he, he was talking about the day of Pentecost, which is what Peter quoted. He quoted Joel 2 and 8. And he's talking about even in the future uh, kingdom, in the millennial kingdom where the spirit of God will be poured out. So, guys, I want to encourage you as we look at the book of Joel and we wrap this up. Uh, five things, five applications that go up real quickly and we, we out of here. First one was what? Number one, we said what? When bad things happen, that's a good time to examine your life and purge out any known sin. If you got stuff in there you know it's not right, you know the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, hey, hey, get it out. That's the time for you to reflect. Number two, we said what? Future judgment ought to motivate present repentance for everyone. Future, when we know that future judgment is going to come, it ought to motivate us to repent. Because when we repent, we can, what, turn away. Uh, number, number three says what? Immediate repentance. Immediate repentance from sin can stop God's judgment. Number four, what? Despite any disciplinary measures God engages in with his people, he nevertheless has a blessed future awaiting them. Even though we mess up and God judges us, he still loves us and he still has a blessed future for us. I don't know about you, but I, I thank God for that. Because I listen, guys, I've messed up along the way since I've been saved. And so I thank God that 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 my future is still uh, 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 bright. My future is still solidified because I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And last, there'll be a future outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the faithful in Judah, okay? So those are the principles that we learn from the book of Joel, okay? Give the Lord a hand of praise and I am finished. <laughs>